Hey, this is Dan from Nerd OD, and we just wanted to announce that we will be doing our very first ever live podcast at EGX, the UK's biggest gaming convention. It's going to be on Thursday, the 20th of September at 4pm. We are taking over the fringe stage in the atrium, and we really hope that we'll see some of you guys there. The show's free, you just need to buy yourself a ticket to EGX, which is available at egx.net right now. So, anywho, on to the podcast, and we hope to see some of you guys there. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Richard. And we are here today with a, uh, a bumper episode, if you will, <laughs> uh, with a few things to cover for you today. So we're going to uh, touch on the Overwatch World Cup mm. uh, and the kind of difficulty of following along, I guess. Yeah. Because uh, I know that I've, I've not watched much of it at all. Really. Yeah, I feel bad for it, but I've not either, actually. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, new expansion teams that have now been released, mm. where they are, uh, and how exciting that is. Mm. We're going to touch a bit. It's a, bit, a little bit D.Va-heavy, so if you're a D.Va fan, great. Ooh. We're going to talk about uh, the Shooting Star cinematic that came out a few yeah. weeks ago. And the Nano Cola event that followed shortly after. Yes. As well as talking about the, the new map, Busan, now that it's now live uh, across all platforms. Busan. And also, having just watched Richard play a bit as D.Va, I'm a little bit sad now because I think he plays <laughs> D.Va better than I do. But so let's, let's start off a little bit with the Overwatch World Cup because mm. it's, I think it's, I think we're both a little bit disappointed the fact that we mm. just haven't really followed it like we said we were going to. Uh, and it's been a little bit harder to do so mm. because the Overwatch League and the app made it so useful and so easy to be like, okay, I'm going to catch one of the games now or yeah. one of the maps now. But without that same facility with the World Cup, and so far with all of the group stages taking place in very, very um, uh, distant locations, yeah. the time zones have been a killer all over again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was bad enough when it was all in the American time zone from a UK perspective. This is very selfish of me, but it, yeah, from a UK perspective, I can only go off my own perspective. But that that was bad enough. And then when they've been in different time zones as well, so it's not even like you can make a special consideration for a certain time zone. There's gaps between the different stages, different time zones each time. And I mean, I think there's two things to it. One is the fact that we had quite a long amount of time with the teams in League. You got to build a following for each of the ones that, that you were interested in. You You had time to actually become a fan of a team. And obviously, yes, the World Cup's going to take weeks, but it's harder necessarily to be a fan of different teams and to follow them in the same way it feels different it doesn't feel like the league um and then also for me not having them in the app is a big deal yeah that overwatch league app was a fantastic way to follow the games and follow the teams yes they were on twitch as well but following them in the app made it easy it meant that on a lunch break or in an evening you could follow it whereas this way there isn't an app for it there really should be a world cup app yeah, and also the the Twitch website isn't particularly as user friendly as you'd yeah. like it to be when it comes to searching for content. Yeah. Like I had real trouble uh, at one point finding the Overwatch League because there are so many alternative accounts. Oh yeah, either uh, run and owned by Blizzard or not yeah. that have got very similar names. So you wind up with this huge list of you know, which one is the right one with the actual videos that I want to see. Absolutely. Um, as well as things like uh, ads and things built into the the page, which I appreciate is yeah. a revenue stream, but in the 
app, it felt a bit more, once you loaded up that video, you had that one little ad that was kind of tied into it, yeah. either with things like Toyota and, and, and Malik and various people like driving the Toyotas and that kind yeah. of stuff. That was quite a cool feature in itself, I guess. But I think so far, you know, they've had games in Korea. They've had games on the West Coast in the mm-hmm. U.S. Um, obviously, the group that's in effect right now is the group in, in Bangkok in Thailand. So none that are particularly conducive to a U.K. <laughs> viewer wanting to see a game. Definitely not yeah. seeing a game live. I know we've only got a, a few weeks to wait before we've got the group stage in Europe itself, which hopefully will give us uh, some more reasonable times to, mm. to watch games. But th- by that point, we're yeah, three quarters of the way through, aren't we? Absolutely. And that's a little bit disappointing. But I suppose we could try harder, but at the same time... That is true. Yeah, it's not been as easy to do, necessarily. I, you know, I feel like one of my favorite things that we've done in this podcast is to compare Overwatch League and Overwatch as a sport, really, rather than just as a game, to traditional sports. And I feel like there needs to be an investment in curating what's available and making it easier for the fans. So everything's on Twitch, which is fantastic. That's definitely where the audience is. Maybe it's because it's, I'm using some third-party apps, particularly on Apple TV, but even in the first-party ones on iOS and on, on PlayStation, in my case, they don't feel like they're set up for sports watching. They're set up for watching Twitch streamers, for watching people cast different things from their own locations. Yeah. And so they have highlight sections. They have kind of recent videos and that kind of stuff. They don't really have a nice formatted section that says, these are the games. These are in date order. These are the weeks. There seems to be less formatting than you can do in an app, which makes total sense because it's standardized. But I really feel like Blizzard, with such a huge amount of money behind it, that it's investing in the league, could go to Twitch and say, look, can we do some kind of deal where we can customize this page a bit more, get it displayed in a way that is more like an ESPN or is like a more traditional sports watching app, whatever that happens to be, so that when you open it, it says, these are the last three games. If you click on it, then you can see the kind of sub-rounds, the sub-maps within that, but you just get the games to start with. You can see that this is stage one, stage two. Just give me more of that information to make it easy for me, make it more accessible, rather than having to go into the highlight section of... Uh, an account that you hope is the right one and then actually just seeing a whole list of possible games that it could be and you're not sure which is which yeah it could be a lot easier i do feel like it's so many different websites and things have customizable players and it just Mm. seems strange that twitch is very standard across whoever you know whether it's a streamer playing Fortnite with you know a hundred followers or whether it's (laughs) someone like overwatch league with thousands and thousands and billions of dollars behind them exactly so speaking of speaking of the dollar figure, mm-hmm. I think it's nice to talk about the expansion teams. And we mentioned uh, in the last episode, I believe it was, about the, the buy-in yeah. and what the owners needed to put up to make sure Blizzard wanted to uh, you know, take them seriously and get yeah. them involved in this. And we talked about how it had gone from $20 million to $30 million per team. <laughs> and something I read earlier on today said that that actual that buy-in was between thirty and sixty million dollars. <laughs> so I don't know who had to pay more or what, what the what the deal was there. Do you reckon yeah. that was the American team? Would you reckon that was the Chinese teams? I don't know. I just I just I just like oh, that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah. twenty million, thirty million dollars—that's a lot of money. Yeah. But if you figure if some teams are paying thirty and some are paying sixty, I wonder what the reason was. I wonder what the story was behind. I, I reckon that. it's the American team. You know. Yeah. I reckon. I mean, this is a total total guess, but I feel like Canada doesn't have any teams. China has one team. There's a European team in there as well. But I feel like America's already got a few teams. So yeah. maybe that's their thought is you've got to really want this to make it stand out. And with it being, you know, one of the, well, the kind of major country on the planet still, you know, in the West, I'm guessing that that commands a higher price point, maybe. Maybe. Um, I could be completely wrong, but just a guess. Maybe that does command a higher price yeah. point. I mean, that's probably fair. And now it looks like there's, it looks like potentially eight 
yeah. teams. So that's almost doubling the size of the league from 12 to 20. Yeah. That's significant. Amazing. And it looks like we've got uh, two teams in, two new teams, sorry, in the U.S., so Washington, D.C. and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. We've got two new teams in Canada, yep. so Toronto and Vancouver. Good for the North, great white North. We've got, uh, looks like three new Chinese teams. Mm. So apologies out there for my pronunciation, but Hangzhou, Guangzhou, and Chengdu. Yeah. And then we've got a European team with Paris. So that's, that's huge. I mean, that's a huge expansion. It's huge. And it, it really, these numbers do seem to change all the time. Like, you know, the, it was only a, a few weeks ago that we, we thought there were six and now, now we're up to eight. You know, the, there may even be more coming. That's the thing. We see only one European team there, Paris. It would not surprise me if we hear two more in the next month or two. Yeah. If we see some in you know Germany or in, or in one of the Nordic countries like Sweden. Uh, the last I heard, they were still in talks with people in Sweden. So we may see even more than eight here get added. And yeah. that's it shows the terrific amount of investment that Blizzard's putting into the league. It shows their commitment to it as a sport um, and the future of esports more generally, but Overwatch in particular. And as you said just before, 30 to 60 million a team. That's a huge, huge amount of money to flow into the team. We often kind of casually reference the amount of money that Blizzard has as a company, but 30 to 60 million per team, and we've just listed eight of them. And, you know, I think it's great. You saw the fan base that Shanghai had, and unfortunately, you know, they, they didn't manage to win any of the 40 games that they played, but clearly a passionate fan base. Having an additional three teams in China is smart. That is a huge market to serve huge 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 market so having four teams to to if they all had anywhere close to the fan base that shanghai had that that will be extraordinary yeah definitely and i think it's uh something else in an article on it was talking about the the goal for blizzard is to have these teams playing in their locations mm. by 2020 yeah which i mean hell that's only going to be the third overwatch league season yeah. you know maybe they'll go wait till the end of this year and go with the fourth yeah, season but that's so early in the in the league's history yep. to not only have that many teams. Like you said, you know, twelve teams. They played forty games yeah. last season. Is this going to wind up like a baseball season? Are they want to play one hundred and sixty <laughs> games a season. Like that's how it feels. Rosters are going to be huge yep. by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's one of these things. It's it's what we see Blizzard do time and time and time again. You know, you think of big game development studios, people like Valve, for example. Those guys. I'm not going to you know take a subtle dig at Valve, but you know. We're, Where's Half-Life 3? Where's Left 4 Dead 3, right? <laughs> we, we, we see them kind of producing amazing stuff, but unable to execute some of the other things that the people would, would expect. Blizzard, they get a project, they execute it, they continue to ramp. They've released this game, they've released updates to this game, new maps, new heroes, new everything. Ow! And by the way, they've been setting up an entire league while they've been doing it. And aggressive targets, going from pre-season to then running their first full season, Without a hitch, I can't think of anything that yeah. really went wrong in that entire first season. Straight into a World Cup, straight into a conference, into BlizzCon, which is a major event to put on as a company. And then I'm assuming back into a preseason, then another full season. They really aren't giving themselves any time to rest. Yeah. And in the meantime, they've expanded, nearly doubled the team, the, the, the league size. Eight new teams is nothing to sniff at. And then, like you say, they want all of them to be moved into their own stadiums. That's an extraordinary undertaking. Yeah. Huge. And as well, I think that it then comes into talking about the teams themselves. Mm. And then something else uh, to be gleaned from all the, the news r- around the teams. Of course, there's the, the free agency. Yep. You know, there's now, we're at a stage again where these, these are sportsmen. Yep. You know, they're sports people and they, are, uh, they have contracts and they yeah. have the free agency period and signing windows and all that kind of stuff. And something that said that the, the new teams have sort of first refusal <laughs> on 
all of the free agents yeah. up until October. Wow. So, you know, all the, the, the players, maybe the players that we were uh, surprised to see, let, well, maybe not surprised to see let go, but perhaps a little bit, a little bit of pain here and there. Yeah, it's you definitely. Know, Shadowburn leaving the Fusion, yeah. people like Dak leaving the Shock, oh, you know, yeah. great players who mm. just perhaps haven't got a place in that team anymore, exactly. the way that it's set up. They now are going to be looking at these brand new teams and thinking, okay, well, can I be a star there instead? Yeah. Can I sort of build that team up? And I was talking to you earlier today about watching or seeing uh, clips from the the Russian games mm. in the World Cup stage, mm. seeing mistakes playing with Shadowburn, and then thinking, well, hang on, they're both looking for teams now. Yeah. So what's the chance they're going to get signed to a team together, exactly. already having that kind of team chemistry and things, and no language barrier, those yeah. kind of things as well. That could be quite an exciting thing for how these teams are developed. Definitely. Suddenly seeing combinations of players uh, and brand new players that mm-hmm. obviously in, in the World Cup stage and other places then thrust into the limelight in a brand new team that they can then kind of mold and drive. Yeah. Well, it's such a great way to just inject life into the league. I know we're already in the early stages of it, but as the years go by, it is such a great way to inject fresh life. That World Cup really does become a showcase then. Like you say, two players, they're both free agents. What a great signing for for, for any team, really, to pick up two people with a lot of experience that are looking for a place that, like you say, have played together before, that know each other's moves and strategies and so on. What a great thing to be able to pick up as a team, particularly one of the new ones. Um, and in terms of that, you know, you made a good point there. Somebody who maybe doesn't have a place in a team, but is a star. Somebody like Dak comes to mind. He maybe doesn't have a place on San Francisco. It's going to be amazing to see what San Francisco does with uh, potentially a newer lineup and changes in their lineup and new people coming through. It's going to make that team feel fresh, and they, they did need it at certain times last season. They felt like they stalled a little bit. But somebody like that that could, could lead a team, that could be the star player like a Baby Bay or a Carpe or whoever would be on their team that can really lead that uh, that is going to be amazing to see, definitely. Yeah. And I think as well with the changes with the, the Chinese teams, the mm. idea of going from one Chinese team to four Chinese teams, mm. considering that we saw Shanghai cut their entire roster <laughs> with the exception of three players, yeah. there's a lot of – and I've said it before, and I, I will defend them to the end. Mm. There were some incredible players in Shanghai. Oh, you gotcha. know, they are incredible world-class players. so close so many times. Exactly. Like, every time, despite not following them, I, I was rooting for them. You know, I, I yeah. like San Francisco and I like the Fusion, but – Anytime Shanghai got close, God, I just wanted to see them do it. I wanted them to have a win. And yeah. it's like you have these great players that just didn't work yeah. for whatever reason, whatever the reasons were behind the scenes, yeah. it didn't work. But now you've got all those players who already have quite a, a loyal following in China Definitely. who can now go on to these other Chinese teams and still be you know, national heroes, if you yeah. like, yeah. which is quite impressive. Well, you imagine somebody like Gaguri is probably going to stay at Shanghai. I yeah. think that's already been confirmed. Like you said, she wasn't let go. But there is the very real possibility for her to overshadow other players in Shanghai because she's such a fan favorite for very justifiable reasons. She's extraordinary to watch. But if you're another player on Shanghai who is a very good player, you're going to get overshadowed by that fan favorite every time. So maybe going to another team and being the fan favorite there makes a lot more sense for you yeah. potentially. I read a really great thing uh, last week, which was the most sports thing <laughs> I have seen so far about the Overwatch League and it referenced the fact that Shanghai would never get rid of Kaguri. Yeah. Because, and this was a quote, she sells shirts. <laughs> and I thought, I've seen that countless times yeah. in, in uh, traditional football or soccer games. Yeah. The idea that a player is a star player, they, you know, a team, for instance, will sign a very expensive player mm. because they know full well that they can make their money back in selling shirts with exactly. their name on it. And the idea that there's an Overwatch League player 
and that's the same kind of. I mean, obviously, that was just a fan saying that, not the team of themselves. Course, but yeah, but the that point kind still of stands. mentality yeah. that you can sell merchandise uh, for that player, yeah. and that makes them. Besides the fact that she's an incredible player, anyway, I'm not taking mm-hmm. away from that. No, whatsoever, this is in addition to that. The fact that she's uh, lucrative for that yeah. team, as well as the fact it's that she's a great bonus, player, that's amazing. Bonus, you know, I like I look at the, um, the the fusion. Their range of merchandise is incredible, hmm. and they've got. Uh, They've got uh, Carpe-themed T-shirts and um, the EQO ones, and uh, they have one with Shadowburn, one with a whole team and a family portrait. Nice. I love that. And there's things like that where they have a bit more fun with it, I guess, sure. in that way. There's a bit more of a, um, a personality and a kind of humor in that. Yeah. But you figure if you're buying a jersey for your favorite team and you've got the name of your favorite player on it, and that player is so widely regarded that mm. that shirt is flying out, that's an incredible thing. You, you, you're a team, say you're you know, the new... Uh, Canadian team. Yeah. And I have to have my, my regular shout out to our, our boy Joe Meister, <laughs> who, who for whatever reasons and whatever situations going on, has been released by the Fusion. Yeah. I'm sorry, Joe Meister. Always got big love for you. And a standing invitation to come on this podcast. Exactly. At Whenever you want. Moment you just let me know. You just let us know. Um, the idea that there's now two Canadian teams. Mm. You know, he goes to one of those teams, for instance. Oh, People yeah. already know him for you know, his experience in the league as it is, Absolutely. and of course, oh, everything behind the scenes. Suddenly, you've got a, a fan favorite on a, a local in terms of nationality yes. team. Yeah. That's a really exciting possibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. A real place for them to shine rather than being overshadowed by some of those other big personalities that were on the fusion. You know, I think that's really interesting what you're saying about Bakuri and the, the being able to sell jerseys, being able to sell shirts. Interesting as well, the fact that you have such an opportunity in terms of merchandise for the league, for Overwatch, for Blizzard to sell the more standardized official merchandise. And then the teams to have that fun with it, to have those family portrait shots, you know, selling their own merchandise on the side or, or fan-made merchandise as well for the teams. That's a real chance. Normally it has to be the team that sells everything in a traditional sport. They have their own outlets for those kind of things. And they do partnerships, but because you have that kind of controlling body of Blizzard, let them do the very official traditional merchandise and obviously cut the teams in. But yeah, let's, let's have the teams selling their own merchandise. That's just yeah. a good bit of fun. And the, the, the fans making their own as well. That'd be really cool to see. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, there's a, a lot more news to come mm, before we definitely. see the league in full swing again. Yeah. We have uh, BlizzCon before then as well. So there's, yeah. I'm sure we'll have some announcements. I'm sure yeah. there'll be some announcements from BlizzCon. Overwatch 2. <laughs> just to invalidate all of oh, this that would, that oh would no be, i'd be very sad i'd yeah. be very sad if i'd spent 60 million dollars on a sports franchise <laughs> that is true yeah. so no changes yeah. please thank you uh so let's let's move on and talk about uh, shooting stars because mm. that was i haven't watched all the cinematics and all the various sure. uh lore pieces for overwatch i would like to it's yep. on my list of things to get done <laughs> but i did watch shooting stars because having been a, a diva fan since the beginning as i know you are yeah it was quite nice to see something that was focused around that and put more context to uh, the whole sort of mecha idea, where yeah. that's from, what that actually looks like yeah. in the in the Overwatch world. And that, just in terms of general, just the story, the fun, the animation style, yeah. it was an incredible video to watch. And actually putting a little bit of context and things like the self-destruct. Mm. You know, things like the abilities that you use in the game and have been using since the very beginning. But giving a reason as to why the self-destruct would be an ability for yeah. that character to have absolutely stuff like that, that puts context um, and adds a, a kind of adds a flavor to it. That yeah, just adds makes some it, meat to the bones. Yeah. It makes it richer. It. Yeah. makes it richer. Definitely. No, absolutely. I, I feel like as a, you know, you referenced that, that we are both diva fans as a diva fan. Uh, 
it always just felt like such a missed opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I, getting into the game, you start to look for the content. Having played a bunch of it, you start to go, right, what, what else can I get into? What else is related to Overwatch? What else you got me? I need my next fix. Um, and so you start looking at stuff. And out there, there are, there's a series of comics, which is amazing. I've got digital versions of that. And I know somebody bought me, very, very lovely, uh, the kind of hardbound copy of those as well. So that's nice, nice to kind of look through. The stunning, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant comics. But there's not a Diva one. There's no Diva comic. So that's a bit of a disappointment as a Diva fan. And then you go looking for the shorts and the animations. You are probably there. And there was no Diva short, no Diva animation. And to me, one of the reasons I, I liked Diva from quite early on was, yes, how she plays, but was also the backstory. This amazing story of a professional gamer, somebody that you can kind of, maybe not relate to, I'm not a professional gamer, but somebody <laughs> that you can aspirationally relate to of in course. that way. And just has such a cool backstory. We've talked about it on the earlier episodes, this bubblegum pink mech. It's very, very, very strange and different compared to any of the game. The coolest law in my eyes, but no real information on it, no filling in of that, no adding to it. So to see the short come out, it was incredible, really, really incredible. You've also got the fact that only last year or so, there was a little bit of a quibble over that backstory. Uh, one of the developers, um, one of the, the guys who looks after the law, made a comment that made it sound as though she wasn't a StarCraft II pro and that she played something else and somebody thought that changed the backstory. And there's a whole song and dance where people got very upset before Jeff and, and that developer actually cleared up. No, she she absolutely is StarCraft II, but she does play other games as well and that's what she's kind of won awards and that's what she was a professional at before this. And to kind of see all of the references in that short and the love and the care that goes into making them, every little detail, like those shorts, I just want to live in that world. It looks incredible. I want a two-hour version of every single short yeah. because you could make feature films out of all of these. And I, th I think the fans would just lap them up. I'm surprised they haven't, actually. Mm. You imagine an animated series or something that goes alongside it, you know, like a Netflix regional yeah. series, something like that. You think it would oh, go definitely. alongside it quite well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they haven't yet, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that's on the roadmap. I'm sure there's a whiteboard somewhere in, in yeah. Blizzard that has it. Um, but they got so good at doing animation and animation shorts with World of Warcraft, with that yeah. series. Every single expansion, the few-minute shorts were just a, a beautiful thing to behold. Really one of the best animation studios in the world right now but only working on short bits of content. Yeah. Um, so to see a, a longer form one for somebody like Diva, that's, yeah, it's nice. Seven maybe minutes. BlizzCon. Who yeah, knows? that maybe. would be incredible. So speaking of that, there was also the, the Nano Cola event, which followed <laughs> yeah. on immediately after, or, or, you know, as that was released. Yeah. And that was just such a, such a cool thing mm -hmm. that a developer could say, okay, here's an event where all you need to do is play the game. Yep. And if you play the game, we're just going to give you stuff. Yep. In this case, it was um, sprays, different nano-cola-themed sprays for D.Va. Yeah. And if you won nine games over the course of this like week-long period, mm -hmm. you got the nano-cola skin, yeah. which is a really cool, very cool piece of design. Oh, it's awesome. makes me very pleased I didn't spend the 3,000 <laughs> credits on the Wave Racer skin because yep. this was very cool and it was free. Yep. But the idea of rewarding players, just, just play. Yeah. Just play the game. If you play the game, we'll just give you some stuff. Exactly. And, you know, the loot box system works anyway because mm -hmm. it gives you that reward for advancing. It gives yep. you that reward for playing the arcade games. Yeah. But in this case, it was just simply a case of you're still going to get those rewards. You'll still get your rewards for leveling up. You'll still get your rewards for winning arcade games. But actually, if you just play, we'll give you some more stuff. Yeah. We want you to have it. It's this thing of, of additional content in such a creative way. And it's not something that they've done before. It's not something Overwatch has done before. It really is that first time. I mean, from a personal level, it came at the exact right moment. 
it's not that I hadn't been playing Overwatch, but I'd come back from a holiday. I'd been busy. There was stuff going on at work. You know, things had just gotten very busy all of a sudden. And so, yeah, I'd, I hadn't picked up the game in a few days or maybe over a week or so. And then I get an article coming through on one of my news feeds and one of my apps going, oh, by the way, there's this thing called the Diva Nano Caller Challenge. Oh, and by the way, there's a, there's a new short out. And I'm going into Overdrive going, right, literally, I think I was getting into my car to go somewhere. They said that the short had been released. I didn't start the engine. I sat there for seven minutes and just watched the short. <laughs> Immediately text yourself um, and then read the article as to what what the heck was going on and saw that there was a map that had been announced, saw the, cola, the Nano Cola Challenge, and then I'll be perfectly honest, and this is embarrassing, started the engine and started a K-pop playlist because why not? When you've just watched hey, that short, that's exactly what you need. If you're on Apple Music, download the K-pop workout playlist. Oh, it's so good. You can thank me later. Oh, it's so, 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 so good. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Maybe not every day, but now and then it's just perfect. Um, so yeah, it, it came at just the right time and it really does re-energize players. And as we've talked about in other games, you get incentives or you get stuff that changes the play it actually changes the play of the game and that can feel like an unfair advantage we've talked about the loot box system and you know the way that people can buy upgrades in other games this is overwatch at its finest because all it's doing is saying if you play you'll be rewarded you'll enjoy it because you're playing the game but also you it gives you a goal it gives you that thing and this is something actually is a slightly bigger topic that i think certain kinds of rpgs and certain kinds of mmos struggle with it's years into a game what are people's goals They've leveled up their characters, they've gotten their equipment, they've done all this kind of stuff. What are they going to do? It's a problem that No Man's Sky, a very different kind of game, really struggled with. Yeah. With, what are you going to do in it? Well, you kind of need to come up with your own objectives. And that can happen in Overwatch. Right, I'm going to unlock this skin, and I'm going to play, and I'm going to get as many loot boxes as possible. I'm going to work really, really hard to get good at a new hero. That kind of stuff. You're making it up. There's always the inherent objective of winning, but to keep it fresh and keep it fun, you've got to make your own. This is Blizzard reaching in and going, actually, we can just drop this little bundle of content, a short, a new map, and a new skin if you work for it. It's giving you a reason to come back to the game, and that's what Blizzard has been so good at, continuously giving you reasons to come back and play. Yeah, definitely. And one of those big new reasons mm. is the new map, oh, it's so Busan. So this is a map where... You see it in the in the Shooting Star short. Yep. It's uh, well, one of the it's a, it's a three part control map, and one of those parts is the the Mecca base, yeah. where Diva's based, and it is such a cool map. It is <laughs> so cool. I mean, before we recorded this podcast, we uh, we took some turns playing just that map. Played what it, like easily ten or twelve yeah. games of it, <laughs> and it's you know, and they're very very good at this uh, Blizzard when it comes to the game. If you go into the arcade. Uh, at least as of this recording, mm. if you go into the arcade, there is simply a six versus six Busan only map yeah. uh, game style. Probably there for a few weeks, I would have thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you just it's your standard quick play map or quick play game type, mm. but only on the Busan map. Yeah. And it is such a cool way of getting used to the map and getting a exactly. feel for what it's like. And it, it just it has a lot of those kind of. It seems to take a lot of elements of different maps mm-hmm. and combine them in quite an interesting way. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that you've got that kind of street uh, area that feels a bit like Hanamura at yeah. the beginning. You've got the, the mecha base itself, which feels a bit more like the final stages of uh, Watchpoint Gibraltar. Yeah. And those kind of things, or, or the end of Dorado. You've got a, a lot of different elements of maps mm. combined together, 
filled with uh, Korean iconography and uh, diva references. Yeah, and there's Patchy Mary everywhere. There's exactly. arcade games. There's, we, we found a da- uh, like essentially a DDR, a Dance Dance Revolution machine in one of them. Yep. There was a karaoke parlor. Yep. There was a, um, what was it? a PC Bang, which is a, uh, like a gaming cafe in Korea. So, 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 so cool for all of it. Yeah. And it's it not only is it a fun map to play. Mm. And I, I have my doubts when I first read about it because it seems to be a case of that the, the mecha base section, mm. for instance. It felt a bit like if you have the high ground and you put a Torb turret and a Widow up there, mm. you can't be beaten. <laughs> and actually, having played it, there's so many different ways around. Yeah. And in fact, there was a way through the map that you showed me. and I, mm. I'd played it and had never even spotted it up that kind of... Well, like a lift shaft almost. Yeah, like which a you tunnel need. Up, up yeah, it's vertically. If you've got a hero with verticality, you, you mm-hmm. can get up there. And I just never even realized it was there. Perfect for a diva. And it's great, you know, your diva, your uh, widow with the grappling hook, yeah. heroes that can get around like that. I hadn't even looked up there. Yeah, I've played that map with with widow. I've played it with diva. I've never even looked up <laughs> there. And it was just different ways of uh, experiencing this new space yeah. with such incredible little hints and details, yeah. like when you go into diva's room. Mm. You know, and there are two shelves filled with trophies <laughs> from her gaming, uh, and a you know a gaming computer over on the side bay with with an yeah. app ready to play, things like that. Which again, when you combine it with that lore and the story in the in the short, and then what you already know from the game world, you know, for instance, yeah. um, pointed out before Hollywood. Yep. If you're on the map Hollywood, and you're in the uh, attacker spawn, there's a poster on the wall for a film featuring Hannah Song. Yeah. When you go into Diva's room in the Busan map, there's that same poster, but all in Korean. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a nice little, it's just totally unnecessary. Yeah. But it's a nice little detail because you've seen that before, but you've not seen it in Korean. Exactly. And suddenly you realize that it's this very, uh, that this world is very much alive. Yeah. It's a level of polish that you just don't see in anything else, really, in any other part of any other game that Blizzard can add to this. I mean, Busan, I, I'm not even a big fan of control maps normally, like control oh, point maps either. normally. Yeah. But I think, honestly, you know, I, I need to play it more, but after those kind of 10 games or so, I think this is one of my favorite maps. Mm. And all three of the different stages of it feel like three of my favorite maps that I've played in the game, period. Mm-hmm. I think the branding, the kind of, the, the, like we just said then, the references and the look and feel of it are the most fun it has the most enjoyment and the most whimsy to it yeah the most amount of kind of joy and little references and i just want to explore them to get all of the little bits but then like you said in the in the mecha base one of the great things and it's a quote from stylos or it's a quote from unit lost i forget when but basically saying that high ground and verticality being able to be above another player adds such an advantage in overwatch it's such a thing that isn't expected. If you have high ground or you're in the sky in somewhere, you're boosting as DV, you've got the, the jump pack as Farah, that can give you a pretty big advantage in certain situations. These maps give you that, that launch tunnel, as I'm calling it, on the mecha base. That's when you come right out of your spawn, it's up onto the high bit. You're protected that whole way. You're nowhere near the main bit, but you boost up that tunnel and you're at the high ground looking over that main control point there. That gives you such a good angle to attack. We had another one in the actual in Busan in the city itself, where I think it was a bastion that I took down kind of twice or so um, in some pretty fun ways. But just by having one of the corners covered, one of the high grounds in the corners, it gave me an interesting angle and an interesting sightline. Not necessarily a way that a sniper could abuse it, but in a way that if you keep going back there, you can kind of form a spot that you return to 
and have some really good lines on the attackers there as well. You've always got to be cautious. There's nowhere in the map that feels overly powerful like you can just stick a turret or stick a bastion there and you'll win every time it more feels that there's just things to take advantage of there's angles to use and yeah i've got to say combining the law combining the look and the feel of it and the angles it gives you and the, the play styles it opens itself up to and the fact that all three stages are varied i think this is my favorite map yeah and i think that there was a a moment where you as diva you body blocked an anna off the map <laughs> yeah and i think that the Interesting environmental kills oh, or yeah. environmental opportunities are something that are present on a lot of maps, but not always in the most interesting way. Mm. You know, if you're on Route 66, you can go off the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but if you're somewhere like Ilios and you've got that well, yeah. you know, how many times people trying to hook people into there or boop them <laughs> in as Lucio? Like, that's always what's going on. Absolutely. It's quite an interesting spot. Yeah. This has one of those, and it's in... Uh, one of the spawn points, as you exit the spawn point, you yeah. come across a walkway. And I didn't realize, having played it, because I'd never mm. tried, was that <laughs> if you fall off that walkway, you die. And it's not far out of your spawn, and you're going across this thing. So oftentimes, you're not going to get into any fights there. Mm. But there was a game earlier when there were some pretty heavy fights on that walkway. Yep. And it was just the idea that I think, I can't remember which hero was you were fighting, but you were fighting him, and you managed him to back up just enough so that he fell off the I edge. I think it was a junk rat. I think yeah. it was a junk rat. Yeah, and I think he set off a mine and like flew backwards. Exactly. And he's like, oh, there you go. And it's just the idea of adding something interesting in it. Yeah. Where, yeah, okay, there's environmental kills on, on most of the maps, if not all yeah. of them. But that was just such an interesting little one that mm. I never even considered. It's a walkway with a pillar in the middle, so you have to go around the edges. And when you go near the edges, you're quite close to the edge well, of that. There's so many amazing things you could do. You know, you often see it where a team really, uh, they, they take the point and then they keep pushing. They overextend or they really just pile in. And you are pushing somebody back to their spawn almost or very near to it. That walkway is going to be deadly. Mm. I'm thinking, you know, if you're a junk rat and you threw a mine in, as people are leaving the spawn, you could push two or three off quite easily. One of those Pharah rockets that knocks people back could again push a few people off that walkway. One that I just thought of while you were talking and I've not tried, I so want to try it now, is that bridge is pretty small. What if a diva was to jump off it, then boost round to the other side of the walkway? Because that boost lasts a good three seconds or so. <laughs> I would wager around. that you could boost under the bridge, back up the top and smack into the back of somebody and push them off. I want to see you try that. I really, I really want to try, try it. I'm going maybe, to fail. Maybe, maybe when this is finished, I'd we'll love see you to try, try that because damn, that would be cool. But like things like Wrecking Ball. You yeah, know, I, I absolutely. saw there was a, a moment on one of the maps earlier, which was the one which was the more of the city center map, and a Wrecking Ball was just kind of just spinning around the pillar <laughs> and just managed to sweep a player off the walkway in a way that I couldn't even, I didn't even know how he did it. He just was like spinning in a circle. I just like swooped down and went, pop, <laughs> I, knocked I, him off the edge. I still believe that the Miley Cyrus song should play every single time that he spins around more than three times around a point. Rather than an ultimate. It's just, it just that yeah, Like as a voice line, it just hums it as like a little MIDI track. <laughs> so that about wraps up this episode. Uh, one thing I do want to point out to everyone is if you're hearing this, this should be out on uh, the Monday. On the Thursday, the 20th of September, Nerd OD is going to be live at EGX in Birmingham at the NEC. So if you are gaming there or taking part in the activities and you've got some free time at the end of your day, we're going to be on the stage at the EGX Fringe from 4 o'clock. So do reach out and give us a shout either on Twitter at Nerd OD or uh, Heroes Needed Pod and let us know if you're going to be there so you can say hi. Or otherwise, just look out for us. You'll find us on the website for EGX. We'll put a link up on the Twitter account so you can see. Cool. So that brings the episode to the end. We're going to see you next time. I've been Dave. And I'm Richard. And we'll see you later.
world could always use more heroes.